How would you like to jumpstart your child's reading this year with an award-winning online program? Reading Eggs features a personalized system of interactive lessons based on scientific research, including colorful animations and exciting rewards to motivate your child to learn. You can instantly track your child's progress and reinforce their newfound skills with hundreds of printables and bonuses. With your subscription, you have access to not one, but multiple reading programs. Visit readingaggs.com forward slash media angels to learn more about the free 30-day trial that provides access for up to four children to all five learning programs. That's readingaggs.com forward slash media angels. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. You've made the commitment. You caught the vision. You want your family to serve God. But sometimes it's hard to put feet on that vision. Hey, how? Do visions have feet? How do you get from principle to practice? What do you need to know about the issues affecting your family? How do you apply God's Word in the 21st century? Let's talk about it. This is Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. Well, hello, everybody. This is Hal. And Melanie. And we're talking about making biblical family life practical. And, you know, this past week we've been dealing with some colds and flu symptoms and things have been kind of dragging around here. And thought, you know, this is a really good time to be talking about homeschooling through difficulties. Homeschooling through hard times is just one of those things that sooner or later it's going to happen to your family. Uh-huh. You've got to face times that... Everybody has the flu, or worse yet, you have the flu and your children don't. Oh, mercy. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Or it might be something as major as like what we've dealt with, Hal, with the cancer and Katie's heart. And high-risk pregnancies. Yeah. And, you know, we've had we've had all kinds of challenges. You know, we made this decision, oh, years ago and decided, you know, God wants us to teach our kids at home, and we would take that big step. But, gosh, so many miles since then. We've relocated. We've had job changes. We've had job layoffs. We've had um, health issues galore. And, you know, any of those times would have been just really reasonable times to say, this is not, you know. This is not working. This is not going to work for us, okay? But, you know, I think it's important to remember that homeschooling is a spiritual endeavor. Yeah, it is. And that's what we forget. Because we get all wrapped up in the, you know, the everyday stuff, getting spelling done, getting math done, the house is a wreck, what are we going to have for supper? The routine and the curriculum choice and finishing the book. Which yeah. is overwhelming enough. Which, yeah. And then we add in, somebody starts throwing up, and I know, I feel like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Right, right. But but you you hit a key thing there. This is a spiritual thing we're involved in. Really, it's the most important thing. And there's two aspects to that. One of them is God will provide. If this is spiritual, we are doing this for God's glory, for his kingdom, and we can trust him to provide it. And the other part is Satan will attack. 
and we will come under attack. We will be tested. And if you don't believe that, <coughs> evidently you're a new homeschooler. Yeah, really. Like Honestly. maybe this week. <laughs> serious. Yeah. Yeah, I know, it's I know tough. We, well, I know we started, we had all these grandiose plans, and it's like, well, in the second month. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, reality, reality hits. That's in. And it's not a bad thing. It's just an adjustment. It's and, an adjustment. You know, but the the challenge is how are we going to handle it? What are we going to handle when everything comes apart around us, when there's not enough work or not enough money or not enough me mm-hmm. to get it all done? I'm feeling right. that way this week. Right. This is right on track for me. Well, I think, you know, it, we got to recognize we live in a fallen world. We all have challenges. And they're all, all the kind of things we described there, you know, with the, the health issues or financial issues or just major family family, and sometimes Family conflicts. Family conflicts. And sometimes it's the extended family is opposing us. Sometimes it's our own children are yeah. opposing us. And, and sometimes it's just it's happy stuff, but it's disruptive. You're taking a kid to college, or you've got a new baby. Or even even getting one ready to get married. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody uh, this afternoon, and they've got not one but two weddings coming up this year. Oh, my. Yeah. Whoa. And, and so you've got stress, mm-hmm. and that makes you doubt. Right. And then the fear and anxiety starts. Right. 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 And that can erode your your sense of confidence, maybe Maybe not your commitment, but it can certainly make you question what you're doing here. And the expenses. You know, that it's I didn't really realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I looked at people who didn't keep up their house or their yard, and I thought, oh, they're just lazy. It never occurred to me, maybe they're working their hearts out and they can't get it done. Maybe they're working too much. So it happened to me. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's interesting how God does that. You know, I have seen, you know, <clears throat> nobody... Nobody stands up in church and says, I just want you all to know everything is going great, and my life is just a piece of cake, and God is throwing blessings at me, and I am growing so much in the Spirit. And no. I am getting so strong in the Lord here no. because I get so much rest. Nobody ever no. says that, do No, they? no. We grow during the hard times. We grow when things are awful. That's right. You know, like, like the boy in the, um, in the stable house. The, the study that was done about children who are naturally pessimistic and naturally optimistic. Yeah. And the pessimistic child they put into a room full of brand new toys, and the child broke down and wept. And they said, what in the world is wrong with you, son? And he said, there's all these beautiful toys, and I, if I play with them, I'll probably break them and get in trouble, and it'll be awful. And, and he couldn't rejoice in the tremendous blessing he had. And then they put the optimistic child in a filthy old stable and the child found a shovel and he's throwing the the manure around right and left and whistling and cleaning the corners and they said tell me son why are you so happy amidst all of the smell and the filth of this stable he says with all this manure there must be a pony in here somewhere (laughs) you know what that is so true i mean it's you know it's funny but honest to goodness there was i remember there was a christian song when i was in college on the on the radio I heard it. Something good is bound to happen because the devil's working overtime. Yeah. You know, you, you see, when you see these trials, sometimes that's when you can look up and see God's hand coming down for you. And really, there, when it comes to homeschooling, there is a pony in here somewhere. Yeah. But there really is good stuff coming out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really wish I had understood years ago. Yeah. You know, that God has a point in us going through all this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think it's important. Let's deal with a minute. You know, what everybody says when things go wrong around you is they say, why don't you just put the kids in school? You know, and, and a lot of times it's well meant. Yeah. They, 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 they're looking at your trouble and, they, and they're saying, you poor thing. We're from the South, okay? They say, you poor thing. You are suffering so much. You're going through so much trouble. Why don't you just put the kids back in school? And, and get caught up here, and then you can reevaluate this. And, you know, there's a lot of trouble with that because, for one thing, there's no such thing as putting the kids back in school. When, you home, been in school. You've homeschooled them since they got out of diapers, and you say, my children have never been in a classroom school. You so know, that's so going to really help the stress level, right? That will certainly make everybody's life easier because, you know, a new child dropping into a classroom in the middle of a session is 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 welcomed with open arms and is immediately finds friends and is accepted and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Especially if they've never been in a school environment and, and don't really know how to dress and all. Everybody understands that and they make allowance for it. And that's not it at all. That's not it. You know, I, I think what happens, it may be well-meant advice and it may be, it may look like, a life preserver thrown off the ship to you. But, you know, I I have to think if you take that option unnecessarily, then you are you're transferring your own stress over to your child. You know, you're putting that child in an unfamiliar environment under a lot of social stress, and for heaven's sakes, they know something bad is wrong at home. Either, you know, mom and dad are they're sick or they're they're struggling financially or there's some kind of trouble in their life and now they've put me off in this school and I've got all of these new troubles that I haven't dealt with before and you know I think that that's that's moving some of the stress onto shoulders that are too small to bear it so you know really that I, I doubt that you know the other part of that too I remember my life when I was a school child yeah. and my mom was up every morning she's fixing lunches she's you know, helping get clothes together or, or uh, you all over hauling us all around and, you know, back and forth to, you know, football practice after school and stuff before I had a driver's license and things. So, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like mom kissed us from the bedside and we went off and got on the bus by ourselves and came back at the end of the day and she, and she'd had a, a life of leisure while we were gone. I mean, it was, there was a lot of work involved, a lot of overhead involved in putting a child in an institutional program like that. Yeah. And so if you're not, if that's not already part of your lifestyle, you really have to have your eyes open and say, I'm not really, all that you're taking out of your equation is the day-to-day instruction. And you've still got the homework, and you you don't think you're going to be able to leave your child's homework alone, are you, if you're used to teaching them? So really the, the benefit of doing that is is much less than people would think. And so... What do you do? So how do you homeschool through a crisis? Well, you, you know, know what? Uh, <coughs> you know, I, I think we just need to remember that there that the greatest discipleship happens when we're at our limits. Mm-hmm. You know, our strength is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago when I was on bed rest. Yeah. In a in a high risk pregnancy. And let's describe that for a minute, okay? You're talking about at one point. You're in high-risk pregnancy, and you've got four or five kids that you're trying to homeschool, and you're on bed rest. Okay, mom is confined to bed, and nobody has a driver's license except dad, and he's at work an hour away from home. Yeah. 
Okay. And and well, actually, during the story I was thinking about, yeah. you lost your job. Mm-hmm. You'd been yeah. laid off. Okay. And we were broke. And yeah. I remember y'all went to church. I stayed at home. And you came home, and the church had had a pounding. You know, we said something about that on the blog, and there were some people from other regions of the country that thought we meant that Dad and the kids went to church and got beat up. But a pounding, in the old Southern tradition, <laughs> a pounding is is not a physical assault, but rather it's a blessing. It's when they, you have a new family in the church or a new pastor comes in or maybe a baby's born, and the church comes together and they bless the family or they bless a person with either prepared food or more frequently actually groceries. You know, it's like a housewarming. A lot of times it, you know, folks will bring canned goods and you know stuff that goes in the freezer and things to stock yeah. you up. And so, yeah, we got a call uh we got a call like Saturday night. One of the one of our friends from church said, Are you gonna have the van tomorrow? I said, Yeah. So okay, be sure you bring the van. Okay. So me and the children, like four or five of them, however many there were at that age, we went to church. <clears throat> and after church, people said, where are the keys to your van? Okay, here are the keys. I'm thinking, boy, I should have cleaned it out. Well, let me tell you, they started a parade of um, big fishing coolers, ice chests, boxes, bags. Well, I remember when y'all got home, it yeah. covered our huge kitchen table like three Yeah, we got like three a seven-foot kitchen feet. table, and we just stacked it up and put the coolers on the floor, and we just stacked stuff, you know, piled it up on the table. And it, I remember you gathered the children around and you said, look, I want you to remember this all your lives. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to wonder if you can provide for your family. Yeah. And I need to tell you, that usually you're going to provide for your family with your hard work. But sometimes you can't. But the Lord will take care of your family. He'll take care of you through the love of the brethren. And what's interesting to me mm-hmm. is that months later, when you had a, a a nice job making good money and everything was recovered, the baby's been born, all that was way in the past, we were at a um, course practice. Mm-hmm. And one of the one, a little boy stood up and he said, would y'all pray for me? My daddy just lost his job, and I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And our children stood up and said, it's going to be all right. Let me tell you how God took care of us. Yeah. And they described that pounding and described other things the Lord had done. And I realized that I would have spared them that. Right. Yeah. But God was teaching them a lesson that would bless them all their lives. Yeah, and they would not have seen that if they had not gone through the trial and the uncertainty and and the difficulty that they had to face. Right. That, you know, going through that thing was, in the long term, it was not only a positive benefit to our own children, but it was a benefit to other people. Because what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 2? He says that we comfort one another with the comfort wherewith we ourselves have been comforted. Now, if we never heard to go through trouble, yeah, we don't have any of that comfort to share with others. No, we don't. You know, um, you know, I, I gotta think. I gotta think this. God has brought us through so many things and has opened up doors for us because we've been through some ups and downs and some trials and some testing, and people started asking us, you know, years ago. Well, tell me, how do you raise all of these boys? So you've got four boys at the time. You have four boys, and I'm going crazy with one. How in the world? 
So we started talking about it. Well, God just made this into a ministry. And during the time between the convention seasons and church conferences and things like that, we started doing a lot of webinars. You know, yeah. We do these online classes, meet for four or five weeks, just one night a week. Mm-hmm. And it's like a conference session, but you can talk to the presenters while it's going on. You can ask questions in the middle. You can have side conversations. And, it's, and it's, you don't have to get a sitter, and you can you can listen in your. You pajamas. don't have to get a hotel room, and you and it's all recorded. So if you have to miss it or miss part of it, you can go back and listen to it later, or you can listen to it, you know, for a refresher. And we've got people. We've had people from all over the U.S. and Canada. We've had people from Australia, from communist China to Turkey. Is we've got the range somebody. We've got. Yeah, we've got somebody from Turkey on this this certain one. Well, I wanted to mention that to our listeners because. This is a great opportunity to get help with those really difficult passages in your son's life. In fact, the most popular one we do is called Boot Camp 9 to 12, getting geared up for the teen years. Yeah, you can make the teen years great. You don't have to accept the idea that your teenager is just going to be a a mess of emotions and rebellion. Well, you know, they get to that 9 to 12-year-old age, and it's like, I remember, I remember when our oldest hit it. It's like, oh, my word, it's the Hulk. Oh, I thought we had failed. We had worked so hard to raise that boy, and we thought, oh, no, all of those things we'd hoped for just went out the window. Well, they turn into, like, raging green rage monsters. Oh, yeah. And the ups and downs, and then it's sobbing little boys. Yeah. And it's it's really unsettling, and it's hard, and, and they can't pay attention in school. Like, math Did takes five hours. What? Yeah, exactly. Squirrel. Yeah. Squirrel, yeah. So we've... We realized a lot of the questions we got were about this age range, and so we put this together. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people have been through it. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's, it's one of the most popular things we do. Yeah. Anyway, we're in the middle of one right now. Yes. Um, you can go and catch up, and or, or you can sign up and, go, and attend the next one, but you you can sign up for it mm-hmm. at raisingrealmen.com slash boot camp. And it is, I think it's one, I just wish we had been able to go when our kids were that age. I thought I had lost my mind or he had one. There is there is so much that nobody prepared us for. And and so yeah, we had to struggle. And that was see, there we go, that's the benefit. We were tested, God brought us through it, and then we look back and say, Oh, okay, we've learned a lot through this and we get that opportunity to share with people. So head over to raisingrealmen.com slash bootcamp so that you can keep from jerking your children bald headed or yourself too. That's right. Now one thing we've learned about this is that, you know, there is always a way because God said you're not going to be tempted beyond that which you're able to bear. Right. God will stretch you. He will test you. He will pull you beyond what you think you can handle, but then he gives grace. Well, so, he says, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's Isaiah 41. Yeah, and so... If we know that God's going to take care of us, still, we need to get ready. What can we do before a crisis happens to make that crisis more bearable? Because let me tell you something. You don't think a crisis is going to happen? Yeah, and then home's going wrong. That's true. And, and okay, so you can't schedule crises, not usually. I mean, sometimes you can't. <laughs> if you know there's going to be, you know, a, a, a pregnancy is kind of a scheduled crisis. You know that there's a certain course to them. But... Well, at least, you you know, I know when we would find that the Lord had given us a new one, I at least had a few weeks before I had to go in bed rest to 
get out there and start crazily keep preparing. Yeah. But there are some things that you can do to get ready. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember when, when we headed up the Hurricane Floyd Relief Project? That was in, if I, so I recall, that was about 1999 or so. Yeah. We live in eastern North Carolina, and this is this is just like a catcher's mitt for hurricanes here. Well, that particular year, there have been one after another, tropical storms, no major damage. Well, we got this tropical storm that came through, saturated the, the whole countryside, not you know, not just minor flooding. Then about two weeks later, Hurricane Floyd came by. And I don't know if it even made landfall, did it? I don't know, but the but ground Floyd, was saturated. So. Floyd came up right up along the east coast of North the Carolina. The dam started breaking. And and dumped like 24 inches of rain on this on this whole territory that was already soaking wet. And let me tell you, everything, just about everything from I-95 to the coast, we're talking like 100 miles inland. Was underwater. Was flooded. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we started, re- we got together with NCHE, North Carolinians for Home Education, our state homeschool organization. Right. And said, okay, we want to get some help for homeschoolers because the Red Cross is going to take care of their place for them to live and some food to eat in the immediate aftermath. Right. But when those right. yellow school buses start going by, people are going to wonder why their kids aren't on the school people, bus. People will not understand that, hey, you know, when your house washed away, your school washed away too. And you can't just, you know, swap schools that easily. So we started gathering donations for those people. But it was yeah. fascinating. I got to talk to a lot of them. What amused yeah, we, me the most? We though. interviewed every single one of those families that applied yeah. for help. Well, what what was amusing to me in the midst yeah. of this disaster uh-huh. is how many of them managed to save their curriculum. I remember the one we talked to, and she said, well, the water came up so fast we couldn't evacuate. Yeah, they couldn't get out their front door. And so I I ran the kids up the ladder into the attic, and I and I, I handed a, a hatchet up there in case we had to chop out the ceiling. Which they did. Which they did eventually. And the family Bible and their school books. Yes. And, and so, so they were saved the, off their roof, out of a hole in their roof. With with a hatchet, the family Bible, and the school books. Yes. <laughs> You've got to admire that kind of dedication. I loved it. Wow. It was incredible. But, you know, there are some things that we learned from that. Mm-hmm. For example, you need to keep some records, like... What books are you using and, you know, what your children have done in the past because mm-hmm. in a disaster it's hard to think clearly. You know, and it's a lot easier than back in 1999. The Internet was still a fairly new thing. But, man, there's so many ways now that you can save things, those files online. But just put it up on the cloud. Just stick it up in Google Drive. Yeah, you, you know? know what? We'll put something on um on the, on the show page. On the, the blog and on yeah. the show page yeah. to, to give you some ideas for what to do that. We use Dropbox. Uh-huh. You know. And save those things up in the cloud because when you need help, all of a sudden, you know, I talked to moms who had lost their curriculum, and they're racking their minds to even think what they're using because they're so overwhelmed and exhausted and tired. Right. Now, if you've got kids in high school, that's especially critical. Yeah. You've got to keep those records because they're going to need them yep. when they graduate. Mm-hmm. I think that people don't realize the importance of a support network. They really don't, and again, this is kind of the flip side of the Internet age because people, once upon a time, when we first started homeschooling, back when when letters were pressed into clay, you know, <laughs> and, and movable type was a when thing When dinosaurs walked the earth. Yeah, right. When we first started homeschooling, there was a local support group because, frankly, you had three three options for information. You had a local support group, you had a magazine called The Teaching Home, and you had an annual convention where maybe a couple hundred people met in the church basement. Yeah, times have sure changed. And, and that was all we had. Well, now, you know, 
you just Google it. There's Yahoo groups. There's all of these options. There's Facebook, and you know, tons of homeschoolers and people think, well, what do I need a local support group for? And the answer is, you know what? Because you're a person, and they are people. Well, and the internet's not going to bring you a hamburger when when you when your children's in the hospital. The internet's not going to give your kids a, a ride to to class or to dance lessons or whatever when you're strung out when you've got a baby sick in the hospital or when maybe you're up with a broken ankle or something. You know, we need each other. God didn't place us into churches just for information, but for fellowship. And our local support groups are doing a lot of things that churches do also. And you you need to be involved in local church. I think that's a command, not an option. Right. But a a homeschool support group can give you some additional support because they understand the additional challenges of homeschooling, and not Mm -hmm. every church does. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to try to meet your homeschooling needs, too, Make sure if you're on bed rest, your child gets gets to to the co-op or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just think about how many rides our support groups give our children. Do you remember the night we found out Katie had a heart had a heart problem? I, I you looked, just yeah. I'd taken her to the well. doctor. I felt like something was wrong, but I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And he looked at her. He said, oh, "It's probably okay. She looks great." Then he listened to her heart, and he started screaming. He screamed, bring me the AKG machine. I can't even count it. Brought, her, brought the AKG machine in. Her heart rate was over 270 beats a minute. And they had to call the Life Flight cardiac team. She had to be transferred to regional medical center. It was one of the worst days of my life. Yeah. And you know what? On the way to the hospital, I picked up the phone. I called one friend in our support group. I said, please let everybody pray. Something's wrong with Katie's heart and they're medevacking her. Well, mm-hmm. within an hour, there were people at my house bringing food to make sure my children had food to eat tonight. We had teens that were watching the younger children. There were people at the hospital with food for me so I wouldn't have to get in that ambulance without anything to eat. There were people coordinating and helping us and, see, and planning meals and planning how to help us and praying fervently for us. I will never forget it as long as I live. And you know the neat thing, Hal? Yeah is it it te- taught me how to help other people who were in the hospital. Yeah. Again, I remember, that Second Corinthians 2 thing. I remember just a few months before that. Do you remember um, little Bobby friend, was born? That's right. We had friends in our local church here. And, and he was born they, prematurely. They had a premature baby. And, and I took him some meals. But I, even though they were really close friends, I didn't really know how to help him beyond that. Well, and, and that's and that's help. I mean, don't, don't yeah. minimize it. But... but but after Katie got out of the hospital, yeah, and a couple of months later, that same little baby was diagnosed with um, with leukemia. And I tell you what, I knew how to help them then. Oh, yeah. I knew they needed protein snacks in the hospital. There's no protein in the hospital, folks. <laughs> I knew they needed gas money. They needed telephone money. They yes. needed more telephones in their family because now they were strung out all over the place. That's right. I knew how to help them, and that experience we went through helped me to help other people. And the support group was there for us. And the support group, too. So, so you know, all of those things, again, we are going to face crises. We can prepare for crises, maybe not perfectly, but we can, you know, stockpile some things that we know we're going to need, whether it's food in the freezer or... or food in the freezer is great. You know, bulk cooking, whenever I'd get a pot, little pot plus sign on the pregnancy test, I'd yeah. start cooking. I remember one time you went down for your... Uh, for your high-risk pregnancy bed rest, 
and we had, I think I counted, 180 meals frozen in, in the freezer, ready to go. <laughs> okay, folks, I was a little type A. You don't have to do that much. But you know what? What was interesting is we really didn't end up needing that many meals because the children were older and I hadn't realized how much they would be able to help. Right. But that was the pregnancy that we were talking about where you were laid off. Actually, I had a layoff in the middle. And so we're eating lasagna and steak and fajitas with no money coming into the house because yeah. of all those meals that the Lord led me to tuck away. Yeah, I'm thinking, man, there's not many unemployed guys that are eating ribeyes like <laughs> tonight. That's pretty good. Yeah. But, so, but, you know, all of that thing, you know there's going to be tests. You know there's going to be trials. And there's certain things you know you want to go on. You want to continue eating? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you want to keep your homeschooling going. And so preparing for that by having a support network in place and by doing at least some basic record protection, yeah. you know, putting it up on the cloud. If you're not an Internet person, you maybe you can burn a CD and uh, give it to your mom in another state. You know, yeah. it, you don't want to – you want to make sure your backups are away from the thing that might get destroyed. I remember we had a backup drive in one of our computers. We had like two drives. I'm copying everything on the two drives. They both failed the same day. That didn't help. Okay. So, you know, all those kind of things. Just lay some groundwork. Be prudent that way. You know, <clears throat> I think we could probably talk about another thing that might be helpful to people. I know as um, as our kids were growing up, as our sons were growing up, I didn't have brothers, but I'm a former boy. I can remember certain things about my childhood. Yeah. You know, you had a little brother, but your little brother was about the same as you were. You wasn't very far off. Yeah. So you had kind of limited experience dealing with boys and having any perspective on that. And I know that there's certain things we, – we talk to folks all the time. We talk to a lot of moms who grew up with sisters only, and they get that little boy, and he is just a ball of fire. He's like a little comet going through the house. And mom says, he never sits down. I don't understand it. I think he's hyperactive. And you know what? It's, it's because she doesn't understand him. Yeah. And – that's not a crisis, although it's a realization. It's something, and it's something that can't be dealt with. Well, our culture is not much help with raising boys these days. No, it's not. We don't even know what's normal. I have moms ask me that all the time. My child is doing this. Is that normal? Yeah, honey, it's normal. Oh. And so due, due to popular demand, mm -hmm. um, we are finally putting together a web, live webinar series mm -hmm. for parents of boys 5 to 9. The younger ones. Yes. yes. It's like, okay, he is he is breaking away from this little, you know, the boys and the girls that just basically I dress one in pink and one in blue. They, they seem to be very similar. But now he's starting to really stand out as this little male character is different than the, his female sister. Yeah, you know that and, the first time they built this huge block city and mm -hmm. stomp through it like Godzilla and tear it apart. Yeah, when they start to be able to draw a little more recognizably and – the little girls drawing flowers and houses and families. And the little the boys, boys drawing explosions. Like jets and dinosaurs and, and volcanoes. And you think, is he a psychopath? No, he's not. He's, he's a male. boy. <laughs> he's a boy. But you have to understand some things about him. Well, we're, we're going to talk about that. And so we're going to talk about their energy level and their activity and uh, noise. How, noise and how, noisy. how to handle school. You know, what do you do when he doesn't want to write a word, not one? No, he doesn't. You know, what, how do you deal with him if he's late reading? Mm -hmm. um, how about all the questions they ask? And mm -hmm. how do you figure out gender roles and discipline? 
discipline. And discipline is an issue. Yes. Boy, is it an issue. Yeah, it becomes an issue real quick. Okay, so we're going to talk about all these things. We're going to share what we have learned because we have now successfully raised six, six boys. Six through that And same. they're not all the same. That's a neat they're thing. Not. They are not all big gorillas. They are not all... Anything. Now, I'm going to give you the URL, but it's not live yet. I'd hope to have it live by tonight. It'll be live tomorrow. So if you're listening to the recording, it, it should be it live. It should be live by the time yeah. you listen to the recording. Try and see. Raisingrealmen.com slash webinars. Okay. And we, because we've got our, the webinars we have been doing, yep. Boot Camp 9 to 12, right. Marriage Retreat Online. We're adding two more. We'll tell you about the next one in 15 minutes. Yep. But this one is Boot Camp 5 to 9, and it's, you know, how how can you build Strong, godly boys. That's right. And if you understand them, then you're prepared to deal with some of the changes that are coming up. Yeah. So that's good preparation to head off the future crises, right? Okay. Let's talk about practical things that can that you can do. Okay. We've talked about all the We're talking about preparation and pre- maybe not prevention. You figure they're going to come. Now, the crisis has hit. Now, okay. What, what do you do? Okay. What do you do? Well, when it comes to school, the first thing you got to do is simplify. Well, no. The first thing you do is stop screaming. Well, true. That's what they told us on, on Southwest Air one time. They they did the safety dance up front, and they said, in the unlikely event of an emergency, first, stop screaming. That helps. You don't don't overreact. screaming does not, no, does not add anything. No. Take a deep breath, and let's move forward. So Take a deep breath, bury your face in the pillow, yep. and get done screaming. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Now now you've done that. Now what? Okay. So first You've got to simplify school. Simplify okay. school. That means you focus on the core subjects, Okay. Right. Bible is core. If you don't believe it, skip it a day. You'll find out. Okay. Bible is core. Bible is core. Spend some time teaching your children from the Word. Don't make it long, really short. Paragraph. Just explain it to your children. Pray with them. Sing with them. Reading, writing, math. Mm-hmm. If you keep up in those things, you can catch up in the rest. Now, I'm not talking high schoolers. High schoolers have got to keep up high with their stuff. High different. But now, high but, schoolers should be able to manage themselves. On their own, yeah. yes. Yeah. But middle school and below, you focus on Bible, reading, writing, math, because those are the things that you get really bogged down in when when you get behind. Well, if you think about it, you know, the science, you really don't get into hard science well, until high school. Well, is it going to break their hearts if you have a week of nothing but science? No. It's going to be a blast. Or history. You well, can get that history, stuff I mean, much more jammed together. Think about it. History, you repeat it over and over as you go through your school. But if you go through, if you try to do eight hours a day of math, somebody's going to die. Yeah, you probably all will. Yeah, so you got so focus on those basics: Bible, reading, writing, math. Yeah, those okay. are the building blocks. And you know, no one cares what year you study stuff. That's so neat. You know, we had one son who who got to go to Oxford University. Oh wow! You know, you think, hey, homeschooling works, cool. But you know what? Nobody ever asked, did you finish the math book when you were in seventh grade? Can you prove to me that you did every exercise in the math book when you were in seventh grade? Nobody cared. Okay. Yeah. High school's different. Okay. They, yeah, you, the higher standard for high school. But you know what? Elementary school, when you're really strung out and you don't have older older sons and daughters that can help, take a breath, focus on the necessary focus on building blocks. And stuff. you know what? Lots of times your kids will rise to the occasion. Yeah. If you explain the situation to them, they will rise to the occasion and get done what you didn't think they they could possibly do without you. You know, I remember one. We had our last set of crises. It was uh, we had two of them, bang bang, right one after another. The first was Katie with her heart condition and in and out of ICU and just all of that stress. 
And then that same year, I was diagnosed with lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm down with stage 4 cancer, biopsy surgery. and That was after the pneumonia. Biopsy surgery and then chemotherapy and radiation. And is dad going to live till next Christmas or not? No, that was hard. All of that stress. And then when the, the stress finally relieves a little bit and it's time to start getting the college applications together with one of our sons and you ask him to put together a reading list. I was stunned. Because he had read all kinds of things. I said, what in the world? And I mean, all kinds of amazing things. things he read like Boethius. Eusebius and Plato. And yeah, and I said, what in the world, son? Why? Yeah. And he said, you know, I realized that you were not able to spoon feed me. And if I wanted a really good education, I had to get it myself. Whoa. Whoa. And Ooh. so, yeah, sometimes God allows these trials to come to our children's lives. To make men out of them, to make well, women out of them. And we've seen that a couple of times. As well, a, we have. Of a, a kind of drifting sort of, I'm going to fly under radar kind of student. Yeah. When when suddenly they're cut, they're out there, and there's no cloud cover, and they realize, if I don't do it, it won't happen, and who's going to suffer at the end? And they suddenly grab hold of their own education and they ride it. Yeah. And you say, oh. Thank you, Lord. That's exactly what needed to happen. It's just amazing. But it only happened when they had to of the crisis. Yeah, you know, you know and for history and science, what I recommend is you choose a period of time or topic you want to study. Take a laundry basket to the library and check out everything on that topic, and just bring it home and put it in the middle bin, and say, "Okay, children, just read this stuff, okay?" Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's amazed me what God does with that. How God stands in the gap. Okay, I remember being at the National Geographic Bee, yep. state-level competition, North Carolina level, okay? Yep. yep. And we were in the finals, and one of our sons was there, and they asked him a question, and my heart sank. Because I know a lot about geography. We've traveled all over the world. Yeah, and you taught geography, and, and yeah, okay. And, and my heart sank because I didn't they, know the answer. Who and where in the world And he that? gave an answer, and they said, correct. And I thought, oh, what? Wow. And then the teacher next to me says, Whose, what school does that child go to? And I kind of ruffled my feathers up, and I uh-huh. said, he's mine. We homeschool. And then she Ooh, said, okay. whoa, what what geography curriculum do you use? Oops. Uh-oh. Feathers back down. Suddenly I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> because um, it had been a crisis year. We hadn't, I, had bought, I had bought a really cool geography curriculum. It was awesome. I was so excited about using Never the thing. Still wrapped in the plastic. Yep. So how did he how did he know that answer? Well, well I asked, asked, you had I to asked him. him. I you asked him know. when we got out. You know. How did you answer that? And he said, well, you know, last week when you were fussing at me for reading instead of school? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. He said, well, I was reading this G.A. Henning novel, and it happened on that very plane they asked about. By the way, if you, oh. haven't, if you <laughs> haven't encountered it, Henty, H-E-N-T-Y, he was an English journalist who started writing novels for young adults. And now he, you consider them still boys, but you read them, these are like college level. Oh, they're awesome. Our children they're, love them. But they're and you, can get, you can get the audio books on our site, too. Yeah, but look up that H E N T Y. But anyway, anyway, you know, God stood in the gap for me. You know, He took care of it. Yeah. Now, the second thing you got to do is simplify the house, okay? Uh-huh. That means you've got to relax your high standards. I remember um, helping a friend out many years ago and being kind of shocked at the state of her house. and. Yes. The Lord has since seen, shown me mine in much, much worse condition than that, than hers ever dreamed of being. You know, humility is such a virtue. I it really is. It without being humbled. Yeah, wouldn't that yeah. be nice? Be nice to just but be. Now, now I feel honored when a friend invites me to her house when it's a mess. 
I know she trusts me not to be a jerk. No. You know? Okay. <laughs> so what do I mean by simplify the house? Okay, paper plates, paper cups. Did you know you can get great big containers of hundreds of forks for just a few do- plastic forks, just a few dollars at Sam's? At Sam's or Costco or BJ's, one of those yeah. kind of warehouse places. Get your children doing chores, simplify menus. You know what? Fish sticks won't kill you. That's, do I recommend that? No. No. But you, you know what? Sometimes that. you've just got to keep everybody fed. Just got to keep and, body and soul and in the no same guilt, container. No and guilt. The Lord says it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. That's right. And you got to outsource. So okay. you might let your homeschool group or your church know, hey, I need some. Is there a teenager who can come give you've me a done, hand? You've done some neat things with that because I know that you've done, like, you've tutored calculus or algebra or geometry for young women that come in and then in exchange they help you do laundry and do cleaning and maybe do some light cooking and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, go ahead and barter. I mean, that's great. It's a great experience for them, too. And let me recommend the laundromat. Um, sometimes it will relieve great stress just to load all those <coughs> loads, and you would not believe how many loads you can have with 10 people in the house. Boys. Especially during football season. Boys, especially with eight, six boys in the Okay. Yeah. Load all that laundry and drive it down the laundromat and use up every machine they've got and get it all clean at once. That's right. Don't do it on the weekends. No. That's for the people who don't have Monday afternoons are good. Or Monday afternoon, do it on a weekday. But, but yeah, you yeah. can go there and, yeah, it'll take you an afternoon or an evening to get through it. But, man, you can get it all done at one time and start with a clean slate. And so, yeah, that's, you know, you don't want to do this all the time. It's more expensive than doing it at home, and yet sometimes the the gain in productivity, the progress in cleaning or whatever is worth a little bit of invested time and money in a way that you don't normally do it. Now, yeah. you know, another thing you got to you got you need to simplify your your economy because one thing about all of these things, it, it doesn't really matter if you're talking about planning a wedding or having a high risk pregnancy. There's a lot of money flowing out of the family one way or another. And you, you've got to learn. You got to learn where you can you can squeeze your budget down some and try to minimize expenses for the time of the crisis. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and it's going to be different for every family. You know, some families may look around and say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to cancel. We need to cancel cable. We need to cancel Netflix. We need to maybe drop our internet service back a couple of levels." And, and that might be what that family needs to do. Now, in our case, I work from home. We do very graphics-intensive type of stuff with our publishing, and our sons do graphic design stuff, so we need high-speed Internet. That's how we generate income. Thank you. So we're going to have Internet. If, 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 if We have electricity, and then we have Internet, and then we may have some other things. So, you know, that we have yeah. to economize in different areas. But, and it's going to be different for everybody. Salvage grocery stores. You know, it's been amazing to me. We found some of those around, and... They have stuff that ha- is not expired, but it's going to expire in the next week or two. Or it's kind of funny. It, it may be something that doesn't fit local taste. Yes. Because we live in rural North Carolina. Okay. It's not, you know, a backwards area, but there's things that there's things we see in the salvage grocery store that are like some very expensive gourmet, gourmet and ethnic food that we ethnic. love. But it, you know, maybe Thai is not a real popular flavor in this neighborhood. So they put it on the shelves for a while. It doesn't sell. They sell it in the salvage grocery store. And you store. get it for pennies on the dollar sometimes. Yeah, you it's know. awesome. We eat the best of anybody I know who's poor. <laughs> well, you know, at, did you tell what Maria Von Tra- Trapp said? I love that. You read read the, the, the story of the Trapp fam- Family Singers by Maria Von Trapp. Fantastic book. Um, 
when they came over to America fleeing the Nazis, okay, they had to leave all of their wealth behind. They really got here with just the clothes on their back. And, you know, their friends were telling them, okay, look, now you are refugees. You are here living in a borrowed apartment. You don't have your servants. You've got to scale down your expectations because you're poor now. But Maria shot back. She said, we are not poor. We just don't have any money. And that's a very important distinction. It really is. You know, I, I was in counseling with a friend of ours. Uh, he was he was a contractor. He had a long-term contract with a, 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 a hospital that he worked for, and his his business for the hospital was concluded. He wasn't fired. I mean, he finished the job. But, you know, he was starting out on his own again, rebuilding another business, and he made some comment about, well, I'm sort of unemployed. I said, brother, you are not unemployed. You may not have any money. You may not know where the next money is coming from. You may be doing three different things this week, but you have plenty to do. You are not unemployed. Do not saddle yourself with those kind of labels. So a couple more things. Salvage grocery stores, um, curriculum sales, Craigslist. You know, be creative. Yeah, Use free things. Craig's, Go to the library. Craigslist has a free section, and you'll find everything from firewood and scrap lumber to Usable appliances that somebody just needs to get off their property. Oh, well, we just got – our appliances died, and they died a miserable, horrible, lingering death that nearly drove me out of my mind. Right. Okay. So, frankly, we couldn't replace them. Mm-hmm. Sweet family in our church said, look, we have $200 we'd like to put toward you getting some <laughs> new appliances in there. We said, okay, yeah. what can we do for $200? We looked at – got on Craigslist – Hell, you found a military family. A military family. They were upgrading their appliances, and they had a pair of, like, new. I mean, honestly, look brand new. First time we ever had them. Front loaders, gorgeous, match set. Fantastic. Not a scratch on them. Beautiful, beautiful machines. And he just wanted, you know, I talked him down a little bit, but we got such a deal on these things. And, you know, it's because we're out shopping Craigslist. We're just looking around to see what... You know. So don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed to use the options that God has given you. And don't right. be afraid to. I remember one time when Hal was out of work, the um, the one of our friends had a friend who drove the sausage truck. And he would pick up the sausage that was going to um, expire in the next week. And right. he asked him, what do I do with this? Can I give it to my friends? They said, sure, just don't sell it. Well, you know, mm-hmm. we, um, we were delighted. Yeah. To receive it, but I was worried because Hal had kind of high cholesterol at that time. Yeah. And I thought, oh, eating all the sausage. And I said, but Lord, this is what you've given us. And I just prayed over it. You know, when he had lower cholesterol at the end of it than he did at the beginning. You know, and it was interesting because we were getting like 15, 20 pounds of sausage at a time. You know, that was, we ate so much sausage, it was like we were going to turn into pork or something. But it was, you know, it was good and it was God's provision. Yeah. And, and so, you know, just take what God gives you as his gifts and his provision, and know that he's going to bless you without adding grief to it. And if you need to get out and do things, go to the state parks, go to local historical sites, go camping. You know, you can do a lot for almost nothing and negotiate. Negotiate for your medical bills. Do, you know? do not be ashamed of that, you know, because so much goes on. Medical bills are a great example. So much goes on this third-party payer. Yeah. And there's just a going rate, and we charge this because that's what the insurance company expects us to charge. But, you know, we went to – I remember when we were between jobs one time, we went back to a doctor, and we had an outstanding balance of a few hundred dollars. And we said, look, you know, we have some cash here that was uh, given to us for this purpose, so would you be willing to uh, to negotiate on the price? And they said, oh, well, if you're paying out of pocket, yeah. And they cut like half the bill off, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they just like 
knocked the bill in half because it was coming directly from the patient. Whoa, that's a lesson for you. Hey, let's tell them about the last of the new boot camps. Yes, we have another boot camp. Okay, this yes. boot camp is going to be for teen, for parents of teens. And this, we've got so much to share on this. Oh, it's going to be it's so been, good. It's been I'm hard about to it. narrow it down. In fact, I think we're going to end up making a bonus session or two to go with it as, yeah. a, as an add-on. But anyway, yeah, we're going to be talking. you got teenagers, okay? Now, you've gone through that 9 to 12 age, and you understand what was going on hormonally, and you understand that transition into the young stages of manhood, and now you've got a teenager, and everybody warned you about that. What are you worried about? Well, let's see. We're worried about dating and courtship as an issue. Purity. We're worried about maintaining purity. Especially with all the Internet challenges. Mm-hmm. Worry about media and gaming and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's right. And, you know. Homeschooling high school. Homeschooling high school. That's. Transcripts. Uh-huh. All of those things are crucially important. And so. The transition to adulthood. And, you know, that is where we see so many people stumbling. Yeah. So many people are having a hard time. They're homeschoolers. They, their kids have been raised by hand very, very carefully. But they have a hard time taking the hands off. And we're, we're meeting people, we're staying with people as we visit around the country, we're meeting people with, you know, quote, kids, unquote, in their 20s and close to 30 years old, and they're still looking back to their parents to direct what happens next. You know, yeah. they're not stepping let's, out and becoming young men. Let's learn how to raise godly, strong let's, men. Let's prepare them so yeah. that when the time comes, they can step out. And take their place in the world. And take their place in God's kingdom. So yes. anyway, but, check RaisingWellMen.com slash webinars tomorrow. It's not live tonight because I goofed up. I didn't get it ready. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. RaisingWellMen.com slash webinars. Check it tomorrow. Yep. And um, you'll find out about the new boot camp for teens and their parents. That's right. Okay, now let's talk about relationships because when when the hard times come, one of the biggest challenges is relationships in the family because you know what? Stress, mm-hmm. what is it you always say? Finds every crack in your character, right? It does. And and it's it's just like water, you know, and this is really where I started talking thinking about those middle school ages at 9 to 12 age because I realized as we were going through a crisis, our older sons they understood. I get in the car, I drive to the grocery store, I can cook meals, I can be a help. And the little ones, they just want to snuggle up with mama and, you know, get a story and know that mama's still here and loves them and all. But the ones that are 9 to 12, they were at loose ends because they didn't know what they could do. Yeah. And, and, you but know, they were old enough to understand how serious the situation was. And they were old enough that God was placing a desire in their heart to step up. And, and those contribute. are the kids that tend to get the most torn up during crisis is those middle-aged kids. Right, right. And so, you know what, you can, you will be surprised what a 9-year-old or 10-year-old can do if you can supervise them and talk them through it. And if you can be a little patient with the results. Well, at first you've got to be honest with them and tell them what's going on. Because a lot That's of people don't want to worry their kids if they don't tell them. Well, it's like that, that friend of yours yeah. whose, whose kids came to you and said, what is wrong with my mama? What yeah. is wrong with our mother? She is... We think she must have cancer. She's probably going to die or something, but they won't tell us. Yeah. And you found out, well, what it was was the family, the the mother had had several miscarriages, and rather than go through the grieving over again, they decided to wait to announce the next pregnancy until they made sure that little person was taking root. And the children didn't know what it was, but suddenly mom and dad are talking under their breath, and they're going off to the doctor a lot, and 
You know, they're very concerned, to death. and they just know something is so bad but once, they won't tell us. But once they found out, they were relieved. I said, oh, because you know what? They dealt with grief before. They knew they could manage it. Okay, and so really, you got to talk to your kids. Be age appropriate. You got to share with them. You know, and you got to be not ashamed to call for help too. That's so important, Dan. If you're listening to this, honest to goodness, remember it says in Galatians to bear one another's burden and thus fulfill the law of Christ. You know what? We guys have a tendency to say, "I'm going to suck it up. It's going to be tough. I'll just bear the weight of it all on my own shoulders. If it crushes me, so be it." But you know what? We're denying our friends, and our fellow believers, the opportunity to fulfill God's commandment and will for their life. Because, you know what, if we don't tell people, hey, I'm hurting, I could really use a hand here, then they don't have the opportunity to help bear your burden. And you know what, you can help bear their burden when it's your turn. Yeah. All right? Now, I want to say, too, about relationships, you've got to be creative and deal with the separation. You know, use Skype, use whatever you can if somebody's in the hospital. You got to make sure. Or if dad's deployed. Yeah, you got to make sure that you're spent, that the kids get to connect. Okay. Yeah, Skype is great. If you don't use it, s k y p e dot com. Go yes. investigate this. It's free and it's fantastic. And then when you get over the crisis, be careful. You know, this was that was so real. And we got to hurry, babe. We got another couple things to tell them too, so tell them. Well, I'll tell them real quick. We we were in the hospital with Katie. We had weeks and weeks in ICU and her heart rate just racing all over the place and dangerous drugs and stress. uh, But you, dear, were a trooper. You were like a rock. Unbelievable. Impressed all the medical staff. You know, you were on top of things. You didn't get flustered. You didn't get put aside. You were on top of that, that baby's care. Well, we got in the car. They said, she's okay. Here's some medication. Go home get some rest. So we started off down the road. We were about 10 minutes from the hospital, and you came unglued. I mean, Hysterical. she was a blubbering mess, and I'm because driving the along. the pressure was off, I didn't have to hold it together any longer. And she unraveled. And that's what typically happens. That's what happens. So children that have been adults during yes. the whole crisis. We'll act like toddlers as soon as the stress is over. Well, frankly, I mean, in worst cases, so will this, is why you, this is why you see families that hold together through a long, really terrible illness, and when the person that they're caring for dies, then you see a family breakup. It's yep. because they've been holding everything together, and then they let go, and nobody has any reserves yeah. to, to show grace to one another. No. So, you know, when the crisis is over, take a breath, but say, okay, everybody, Let's talk gently with each other. Let's be especially patient with one another because we've got to readjust now to real life. And I know we're all tired and we're all irritable. Okay, let's pray and ask God for extra grace. Okay, we can't just say, crisis is over. Now it's time that I get to suffer and and feel some sympathy and pain. Okay, we've got to keep on for a little while longer until things actually stabilize. Yeah, I I do want to say, too. Yeah. It's important to remember that God stands in the gaps when it comes to our homeschooling. You know, do you remember many, many years ago? Very well, yes. When we were moving from Louisiana up here, and I had promised the children, they said, Mama, can we study space? I said, sure, we'll study space. Well, we'll do a space unit. No. We had to repaint the house. We redid the carpet to sell it, and it was just, it was a nightmare getting... Uh, done and leaving Louisiana. And I remember mm-hmm. feeling so guilty. Now, I've failed our children enough since then. I don't feel quite as guilty anymore, but I felt really guilty then. <laughs> okay? So, 
I felt bad about it. And on the way out of town, one of my friends said, can you stop by our house and lay out of town? I thought, no, we don't have time. She said, really, I need you to. Okay. She said, just roll down your window. She came up, and she shoved me a bag through the front window. And she and she sold Dorling Kindersley books. Mm-hmm. And she said, I just felt like the Lord wanted you to have these. I said, thank you, and we drove off. And I opened them up. It was books all about space exploration, books on the planets, books about NASA. It blew my mind. And I, just, yeah. I cried. I thought, yeah. Lord, I can't believe you've done this. Yeah. So we drove up to Huntsville, Alabama. So we're going to visit your brother-in-law up there. My brother, yeah, your yeah, brother-in-law. I mean, your brother, my brother. brother-in-law, my brother. Okay, him. Him. Yeah, him. We went to visit him. And him. we planned to stay in a hotel two nights. We paid in advance because we That's hadn't right. seen him in so long. We're going to, and and he, he met us that first time. He said, I am so sorry, but my boss came in from out of town, and I got to go through a bunch of meetings with him. He didn't schedule it. I am so sorry. And we felt, man, that was full of like a waste. But you know what? He said, I got a friend at work who, uh, or I got a friend who works at the the space center there in Huntsville, yeah. and they've got a visitor center, and she gave me a couple of tickets. Gave me tickets or passes so that your family can go. Would you like to go do that? I nearly fainted. So we went to the Space Center in Huntsville. And we could never afforded the ticket. Oh, and saw Saturn V and space modules and all that great hardware and stuff. Yeah, and, and then I'm walking down the aisle there, and I see a little sign, and it said, Teachers and an Arrow. And I thought, well, I'm a teacher. Yes, yeah, you are. So I walked down there, and they said, oh, well, what grades do you teach? And I said, well, K-3. And so he handed me a space unit all cut together. It, had, it had posters of all the planets, and it had a lunar landing module with all the pieces so we could put it together. We did that space unit in the car. That's right. On the way up here. And, I mean, I just couldn't believe God had prepared that for us. And we pulled in my mom's driveway. Yep. And she said, don't get out of the car, don't get out of the car. I said, oh, we've got to get out of the car. She said, no, there's a lunar eclipse tonight. Let's go out in the country and go see it. And then the night we moved into our house, it was the first and only time I've ever seen a comet in my life. Isn't that incredible? And, yeah, I learned something from that. I learned that God cared more about our homeschooling than I did, that he could stand in the gaps and he would see that my children got what they need and that his audio visuals were way better than mine. You could not have scheduled that comet. No, I could not no. have scheduled a comet. You know, and, and that's so good because it wasn't just a matter of, you know, God making sure that you had um, something educational, but he, he gave you – what you would have ordered if you could have requested it from the catalog. Yeah. You know, it, and... More than I could have. And I think he was simply telling you, child, trust me, I'll take care of you. Okay. Way better than we can imagine. Th- and that's that's the thing. We've seen that going through crises. It's not fun. No, yeah. it's not fun. But you know what? You go through these crises and you see the hand of God holding you up again and again and again. And your children learn what does it mean when a grown-up and a believer looks fear in the eye. They look at the possibility of death. They look at sickness or financial problems or anything, and they take a breath and they say, I'm trusting God. It changes their lives because when they see us in the fiery furnace, yes, that they see our God there with them, yes, and they know that he's real, and it makes them into godly men and women. It changes everything, and it makes the trial worth it. And isn't that why we're homeschooling? Yeah. I mean, it's not. We, we're not trying to get them into Harvard. We're no. trying to get them into heaven. Yeah. We want them to be disciples. And scholars, okay, scholars are good. Yeah. But we want them to be disciples, and this is part of it. And it you know is. what? This is God's curriculum. You can't plan it. You can do your homework. Yes. You can do all of the exercises when He sends them to you. And but know that, and know that it's coming. 
but trust that God has a purpose in it all. And even when we are at the point that there's nothing left, where we can hardly read the Word of God, mm-hmm. where we can hardly pray, and all we can do is just call out in groaning too deep for words, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is there. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. And he's interpreting what we say to God. He's sending it all up to heaven. And God loves us so much. And he's doing these things for our good and for his glory. And one day we'll we'll be glad. I mean, I already look back at that horrible year with Katie and with you. And I see the glory that God has made out of it in our children's lives and our lives. Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite verses. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And that's all things. Every single one of them. All of them. Okay. Well, look, we need to kind of wrap things up here. I think we, uh, what are we going to talk about next week? You had an idea on that, dear? Yes. Next week, well, first we need to tell them in the afternoon. Yes. We are going to be doing a free webinar of our most popular workshop mm-hmm. to celebrate having 20,000 fans on Facebook. That's right. So go out to RaisingRealMen.com slash celebrate. And I did get that one up. Yep. And register for next Monday afternoon. Yeah, it's free, but that's just so we can send you the announcements and let you know where to where to connect on with it. Yes. And then next Monday night on our radio show, we're going to be talking about homeschooling boys. Yep. How's it different? How can you survive it? How can you get the math done? Yes, we've survived it. And you are not bald. I am, but they didn't cause it. And <laughs> You're not bald either. A little bit. But anyway. All right. Yes. So we hope you'll join us next week, next Monday afternoon, yes. and next Monday evening. So I will okay. put the link in the chat window, and I'll post on our blog too, mm-hmm. slash celebrate And we would love for you to come celebrate with us because many of our publishing friends have donated lots of great giveaways that we're going to do that at the same time. Well, that's going to be great. Look, we appreciate you joining us. This is Making Biblical Family Life Practical. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to been Making listening Biblical to Family Life Practical with, with Hal and Melanie Young. Young. If you found this program found interesting and challenging and encouraging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Alan Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.